Thank you. It is a privilege to be a part of what God is doing, you know, just to be a part of his family, just to be a part of his plan. You know, it's, it's an honor. And we don't take that lightly at all. We don't take it for granted. We don't look at it as, you know, something that, gosh, I just really want to do that. You know, if anything, there's a lot of fear and trembling that comes with it because there's a responsibility. It's, it's, a, it's something that is not, you don't lord it over people. You do it as unto Jesus, and we love him, and that's why we're here. And so let's just open with a word of prayer. God, we just do praise you and exalt you and magnify you. Lord, we're so grateful that somebody crossed our paths and shared you with us. And Lord, that we were humble enough to listen and to go after you. And so, Lord, we just come before you right now with our hearts open, ready to receive your word. Lord, I just humble myself to say what I need to say and don't say what I don't need to say. Lord, help people to hear the way that you want them to hear things, God, out of love, out of compassion. But yet, Lord, sometimes you steer us certain ways. Maybe there's things that we that if we tweak a little bit here or a little bit there, we position ourselves to be used more of you, God. And so help us this morning, God, to continue to run after you and run our race. So when everything is said and done, we can say it is finished. We've done all that we know to do. And you can say, well done, good and faithful servant. In the precious name of Jesus, we thank you. Amen. Well, today I just want to start out kind of sharing a little bit uh, of my testimony of, or my life story. Uh, you, you've heard some from Jim, different things, and I'm going to come at it from a different perspective. I'm going to come at it from my perspective and, and what things have been like, and, uh, so, and then get into some other things after that. But first of all, I just want to share that um, I have grown up as a Christian my entire life. I, uh, my dad, he was saved when he was in South Africa at the age of 12, went to Assemblies of God Church there. Uh, his family followed him after, um, you know, it, a couple, I guess a little bit later, my grandma did, and then a little bit later after that. Uh, my aunt did, and then many years after that, my grandfather did. And so, uh, so my dad had that background. And then my grandparents on my mom's side, they were missionaries. And uh, ever since they were young, they served, or served God. Um, they started out Methodist. And uh, as my dad was traveling Europe, he ended up coming upon a group called Pillar of Fire, and their headquarters was in New Jersey. And my mom at that time was a high school student in the school that was also affiliated with that. So they ended up meeting, and uh, when uh, they moved back to South Africa with the idea that they were gonna go on the mission field, all that kind of stuff. They, then they ended up moving to California, and from there, you know, we became a part of the Nazarene Church and uh, did that for a while. And then we, we, while we were still in California, we joined a spirit-filled church, and uh, I can remember at seven years old, I began speaking in tongues and was filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke in tongues. My brother was five and he spoke in tongues, and that was how we got started in that aspect of things. So at a very young age, we were, um, you know, in, you know, just understanding certain things. Things were being put into us. Then we moved to Missouri, and we 
we were involved in a small Pentecostal country church. And when I say country, I mean really country. I mean, it's not in the town. It was in the country. And it was just farms that were around. And it was actually on my great aunt Donna's property. And so she had this church. And we uh, had people, this is the place where sometimes missionaries would come in and talk. And we always liked those Sundays because, you know, um, their stories were interesting. And then uh, afterwards, you know, I was the only girl. And I had cousins and their friends that went to the church. And so afterwards, I, I, I... I have to really, I'm challenged when it comes to box turtles because they would chase me around the church with a box turtle. Now, mind you, I grew up in California, so I don't know one turtle from the next. And so they would tell me it's a snapping turtle and it's going to hurt me. And so I developed this anxiety towards turtles at a very young age. I'm okay now if I see one. I know it's not a snapping turtle, so I've overcome that fear, just so you know. But sometimes when something gets put in you at a young age, it sticks with you for a while, and it goes beyond your rational thinking. (laughs) So anyways, from there, we helped uh, pioneer a a Pentecostal church. We were not the pastors, but my family was very heavily involved in pioneering a church a church in Marshfield, and the church had multiple pastors, and some of them, which had never gone to Bible school even, so they're up, they're working a full-time job, and then coming up with something to say three times a week. We had Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, so every once in a while, the service would go into a music fest, gave the pastor a break. <laughs> You know, and we would just sing, and those were fun services, and sometimes, you know, it was Testimony Sunday, and we would do that, again, to give the pastor a break. Three services on top of working a job, you know, and didn't even go to Bible school, so he's trying to figure out sometimes Reader's Digest was where the sermon was coming from that week. It's true. It's true. And so... Towards the end of my time uh, being in that church in Marshfield, we ended up having a, um, a, a graduate from Rama come, and he became the pastor of the church. And I had already started college, but I would come back and listen to him um, preach because it resonated with my heart, what he was saying. Uh, There were truths that I had never heard, and it was actually based on the Word, not Reader's Digest. It was awesome. (laughs) And so uh, I just, I enjoyed it so much and and grew uh, during my time there. And like I said, I was actually going to an Assembly of God college at that time, and I was studying music because from a very young age, I always felt like God had given me the desire to do music. And so I, I didn't know what to do with it. So I thought, well, maybe I should go to a Christian school and train. So that just seemed to make sense to me. So I went there, graduated with um, vocal and with saxophone band. I could, so I could teach either a choir or a band, whichever one a school needed. I was trying to be versatile, even though I had no desire to teach in a school. <laughs> but I wanted to be versatile. Uh, and so from there, after I graduated uh, college, the real desire that I had was to travel and sing. And so I wanted to, like, you know, just get out of college and, and start straight. So I had seen this little piece of paper uh, on opportunity, job opportunities, and it was for a group called the Spurlows. And I was so excited. I could travel and sing. So I made my audition tape, and it was really a tape, cassette tape, and mailed it to them. Didn't hear anything. 
until the week after graduation, all of a sudden, they called me. And I'm just thinking, okay, they, it's, you know, it's not going to happen. They call me up and they say, hey, can you meet us down here in Florida? And I'm like, yes, yes, I can. <laughs> so my dad, I quickly pack everything up. My dad drives me all the way to Florida. And... Um, and I join with them, and I am having uh, a good time traveling on the road. We were supposed to, my idea of my understanding of the group was we were going to go into churches and sing. I'm telling you, Phil Driscoll traveled with this group. There were a number of very famous Christian artists in my day that traveled with the Spurlows. So I was so excited. I'm going to have this opportunity. This is such a big desire of my heart. So I'm traveling with them, and all we did was sing in county fairs music from the 20s to the 80s. I got to sing Whitney Houston, I Will Always Love You, things like that. (laughs) So I'm just telling you... um, it wasn't quite what I expected, but, you know, I was thinking, well, at least I'm developing musically. Okay, we're doing this, you know, because I had been studying, you know, opera, classical music. I could hit those high notes and all this kind of stuff, but I, I did it with a little bit of vibrato, and that doesn't really do well with pop music. And so I was like, okay, tone the vibrato down, (laughs) trying to figure out how to do this. So I had this opportunity. And after 10 weeks, they went bankrupt. (laughs) So so when I had finished college, I had said, well, if if I don't get a job traveling and singing, I'll go to Rhema. I've spent several years travel, or, you know, honing in on my music, so now I'm going to learn things on how to follow my spirit. So that was my plan. And so God let me get to do both. I got to travel and sing for 10 weeks, and then I still got to go to Rhema. <laughs> so I had two weeks to quickly put together uh, my application, get all of these references that you had to do, and I'm doing this from the road, um, you know, because I had to, we had, we were given two weeks notice, so I'm trying to get all this done so that I can start Rama in their fall, in September, and God was so good, he helped me get all that done, and so I ended up going to Rama, and so uh, when uh So he hooked my heart up with this ministry. There are so many really, really good ministries out there. There are a lot of things that people are doing. Their heart is focused on God. They're running after him. And and so just know I I have that understanding. But but God hooked my heart up. I could have been hooked up with different types of churches and different types of ministries, but for whatever reason, he hooked me up with Rama, and so that's my family. That's my church family. That's who, uh, that's the focus and, and the stuff that's been put into me. So I went to Rama for two years and graduated, and I'm, I'm at that point again where it's like, what am I going to do with my life? I really had begun to feel strongly that I wanted to travel with the Rhema Singers and Band, but didn't everyone? And so, you know, and it just so happened that there wasn't an opening, so it didn't matter if you wanted to travel. You can't just, like, start traveling with them if there's not an opening. And so, I. Uh, I went through the summer, there was still no opening, and I was like, okay, God, I'm going to start looking for other opportunities. I still wanted to sing, and so I began to think about um, uh, a group called Truth, and Truth, boy, most of you probably do not know who Truth is, and it's really sad, because that was a big thing when I was growing up. So were the Spurlows. <laughs> Nobody knows of them anymore. Anyways, Truth was uh, another one of those groups that 
it was kind of a feeder group. You go in there and then you can potentially get found and uh, become a rising up and coming Christian contemporary artist of the day. And so I was like, okay, well, Rayma doesn't need me, so maybe I'll go travel with truth so I can have this opportunity to just start singing somewhere. And so I was talking to my friend. He had actually traveled with truth, but he was now working for uh, the Rayma Singers and Band as. Um, he was writing the music and helping, you know, just make us professional. And um, and he said, so I went to him and said, okay, so what do I need to do to to try out for them? What, what would you recommend? And he said, well, do you still want to travel with the Raven Singers and Band? And I said, of course I do. Because I wanted to travel and learn from Brother Hagen. And, um, and he said, well... Don't tell anyone, but there's going to be an opening. The soprano got pregnant, and so she's going to um, step down and, and come off the road. And so, uh, so I knew about this opportunity, and I just had to keep it quiet and just wait for the door to open. And thankfully, uh, when the auditions did happen, no other soprano tried out. They were all altos. So here I am with my big vibrato and singing for the church orchestra, with the church, church orchestra, these really big, majestic, you know, America, 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 had to go up to the high sea. Well, that worked in my favor because they're like, well, she can hit the high note. <laughs> she may have a little bit of vibrato, but she can hit the high notes. And so the opportunity came, and they let me travel with Brother Hagen. I'm telling you all these stories. I do have a point. <laughs> I'm just giving you a little background, and sometimes background is fun. So, um, so went through all of that. Got to travel with Brother Hagen for three and a half years, and when he um, when he spoke, we would have two week meetings, and he would just hit on different some of the same subjects over and over and over. So everywhere that we went, these truths were being imparted into my heart, and um, of course he taught faith, he taught how to be led by the Spirit of God. God's will is healing. God doesn't want you poor. Um, how to have joy and peace and uh, how to walk in love. And a huge thing that he would hit every single time was the importance of the local church. And he would say, in the last days, the local church is very vital to what God is going to be doing. And he would emphasize that. And he would say them every single time. And he would, he would go to uh, Acts 4.23. So if you want to put that up for me, Acts 4.23. This was a key scripture that he would use every single meeting that I went to. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. So this was after Paul, uh, or Peter and John, they had uh, healed someone, and then they were beat up for it, and then told, don't ever preach in the name of Jesus. And afterwards, they ran to their own company. And uh, Brother Higgin would... Uh, he would tell us, he goes, it's so important that you have your own company. And he would read how they would pray together. They praised God. They encouraged one another. And then they increased in boldness because they had this company. It would have been real easy for them to go off by themselves and, and begin to have a pity party and begin to get discouraged. But they ran to their company and because of that, and they increased with boldness, the church grew, and, and, and Christianity was taking off. There was a fire. There was an excitement. And that was in part because of the fact that people were coming together and encouraging one another. And that 
was put so strongly in my heart. Now, mind you, I never thought I would ever pastor. People would tell me, oh, you would be a perfect pastor's wife. I'm like, forget it. I want to travel and sing, love them, and leave them. That sounded so much better. I grew up in churches where I saw what happened to the pastors. I saw the pressures that they were under. I saw that they had to keep doing stuff, and it was always the pastor's fault. Well, actually, it was always the pastor's wife's fault. <laughs> People uh, you know, would let the pastor get away with stuff, but they had knives out. Women are just like that sometimes. They had knives out for the pastor's wife, and I did not want that because I was smart. So, <laughs> but for three and a half years, he is continually, Kenneth Hagin is continually emphasizing the local church. And I'm just thinking like, yes, praise God, I'll go to the local church and sing. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> and then I met Jim. And I did my one and only music workshop in Lincoln, Nebraska. And uh, a year later, we were married. And so I went from getting to travel and sing uh, with Brother Kenneth Hagen to singing background vocals in a Nebraska in a church that was pioneered by a Ray McGrath that Jim was a part of. And, uh, and it was an adjustment, but it was awesome because I was now married and I'm getting to be with my best friend and we're learning how to work together and he's leading and I'm just support and we are volunteering in everything possible in the church that they, that they had us be a part of. And we were learning a lot and if you had told us then that we were going to pastor a church, we would have just looked at you and said, whatever. <laughs> we just wanted to help out. We just wanted to be support for whatever was going on. And we were smart. We understood the pressures that come with being a pastor, and we wanted none of it. Let's just support. And so we... Um, we were there, we grew, they put a lot, our pastors put a lot into us, helped us with foundational truths for marriage, for raising our children, put a lot into us. And then the day came where we just knew we have to go to Rama again. And this time it was for Jim to go. He had considered going previously, but just knew that it wasn't the right timing. And so this time it was like, okay, we're supposed to go. So we pack up little Brianna, and we move down to Oklahoma, and we are going to be students. And we are so excited, and we're having Andrew, because we always have to move when I'm pregnant. And so we moved down there. I'm like seven months pregnant, and then all of a sudden, Andrew comes along, and we're we're so excited, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go and introduce him to Brother Hagen. I want him to meet little Andrew, because uh, they had met Brianna. And Brother Hagen died, and it just totally took me off guard. <laughs> we're coming, we're going to Rama, and we're here to train under, you know, Brother Hagen, and I got to travel with him, and this is going to be awesome, and he died. And I'm so thankful that we were there during that time just to see that transition because God connected our hearts. I, I had traveled with Pastor Hagen um, as well. So we did meetings with Brother Hagen, but then I also did meetings with Pastor Hagen and then meetings with Craig Hagen. So I, got, I was on the road a lot when I was in the group. And so, um, so this gave us an opportunity to be there during that transition that was happening at Rama, And so we did that for um, three years. And in that process, again, we're just like, we're here to be helps. We knew we didn't want to stay in Tulsa, but we, so we began checking our heart. Where do you want us to go? Where can we be helps in? And then all of a sudden, 
it started to be like, well, maybe we're supposed to pastor. Oh, okay. So where would we go? Well, we'll take, we'll help out a church that needs a pastor to come in. That's what we'll do. And uh, that was our emphasis. And then all of a sudden it was like, I think we're going to pioneer a church. (laughs) How in the world would you do that? And so God, you've heard some of the different ways of what happened through, through, um, you know, very specific instructions. We felt like we were supposed to come to Andover, Massachusetts. Very specifically Andover. So we, you know, tested it all out, all that. Still nothing went away. And so then we packed up two kids and moved out to Andover, Massachusetts with our two kids and um, just began to figure out how to pioneer a church. We didn't know anyone. We have no family out here at the time. We have no friends out here. And so it's like, what do you do? Back then, there wasn't the social media that we have today. It's like, how is anyone going to know that you start a church? So we finally find this building, and the only time you can put the sign up is Sunday during your service. Like, someone has to drive by the church to see, oh, there's a church there right now. (laughs) And then the rest of the week, there's no church there. It was so odd. You're like, how are people supposed to find us? And yet, we did. We had one lady that um, started coming (laughs) because her son and my son were doing a little playgroup thing together, and she was looking for a church, and she's like, sure, I'll come. And so she did, and... uh, Right away, we needed help because Christina was born. So I'm taking her child and my two kids and doing children's, and Jim is preaching to one person, (laughs) and she had to volunteer to hold the baby. (laughs) And she will tell you, there were times where she's like, who do I look at? Jim? Or the baby, because the baby's gooing at me right now. <laughs> she goes, I have to admit, I, I would look at the baby, because the baby was cute. <laughs> so Jim's trying to preach a good sermon, <laughs> and the, the one person is distracted. <laughs> we did have uh, people come in. We had traveling nurses. We've never had this since. But that year, we had traveling nurses that came, and they understood the importance of tithing, and was which was really good because <laughs> we needed it to be able to pay for the rent <laughs> of the church. Uh, it dried up pretty quickly. All the savings that we had to start the church, and now we, every month we had this much amount of money to pay for the for the uh, church building. All right. So, anyways, they came. And uh, Jim had worked as a software engineer for all this time, and uh, he continued to work contract when we moved out here. So he was pastoring full-time, a small church, and then working uh, as a computer software engineer. And so uh, he did that for years, and then all of a sudden that dried up and he had to get a job here in Massachusetts. And so he uh, ended up going and getting a full-time job uh, for Phillips Color Kinetics in Burlington, Massachusetts. And he was happy to work that job. It was a secular job, but he was supporting his family and um, given the opportunity to pioneer a church because that's what we believed we were supposed to do. And there was a grace upon us to do that and to go through the slow growth the, the slow growth i think was in in a lot of ways a blessing for our family because it allowed us to be able to stay very tightly knit as a family and while he was doing two different things um and so uh one thing that became very very evident is uh that we couldn't do church alone. It, it wasn't something where we began to realize, okay, we need an usher. We need 
people to work in children's. We need to split the children's. It's not just uh, all the kids together, but we need toddlers and we need uh, elementary. And we were needing people to come on board and help out with us. And we kept moving forward uh, with the church uh, so we, we would get a, a larger space. And then all of a sudden, we need the finances to pay for that larger space. And then God was growing our faith to be able to believe him for things that were beyond what we could financially support ourselves. Now we're getting out beyond what we can do in and of ourselves. We're, we're now, we have to believe that God is bringing people on board with us. And so... Um, Going through, I'm going to skip through some different things. Um, we, we know today more than ever that God has placed us here in this area. We're happy to do it. There's a grace for us to be here. We love New England. We, uh, you know, we don't, do we want to shovel snow? No. But we love being here. When we go to other places, when we go back to Oklahoma, when we go visit family in Nebraska and, and take trips to Pennsylvania, when we go all these different places, we, there's no pool to go there. We know we're supposed to be out here. This is where God has sent us. And when I went to Rama this last week, I was joined back together with friends that are not called to New England. They're called to different places, but we are purposefully sent here and to Andover and to Massachusetts and New Hampshire. And then recently, you know, Jim uh, was asked to be the district director. And so he's now doing Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, Massachusetts. And this is our heart. We want to do this. We desire to see the move of God happen here and to be a part of it. And we are in a position now where we realize there came a point where Jim and I had it very strong in our hearts to take a step of faith and no longer do bivocational, work a secular job and pastor, because there's things that are in our hearts that we need to be able to pray and, and to, he, he needs to have that time to study. If you're working 40 hours plus commute and all that, it limits what time you have to focus in on the church. And so I want us to, uh, to look at some scriptures to understand he's been going over the role of the pastor. He's talked about finances, different things like that. But I, I want to share my heart with you so you can see where we're coming from. I deal with the finances day in and day out so that he doesn't have to. He knows the overview of everything. He knows what's going on. But I want to share from my heart a different perspective because our heart, we're, we're serious about what we're doing. We want to be here. We want to be going forward into the ministry, but we cannot do it alone. And if he is, uh, if he's trying to do two different things, your attention is diverted. But let's look in Acts, Acts 6, 1 through 7. I just want the word to speak for itself. Now in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Today, what's on my heart, it's not for us to leave the word of God and work a secular job, work something else, but to stay focused. Let's keep going. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And I'll just stop there. Prayer and the ministry of the word. You want 
a pastor who has time to pray for you. <laughs> There's a little bit of a covering that comes when you have put yourself under, uh, not, not that they're more important or anything, but they have the opportunity to be praying and to speak the word over you and, and to believe for protection and, and be agreeing with you when you're going through life's journey and support you. And that is so important. Let's look at Acts 13, 2. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So here we see again a time where there were people that God specifically separated and said, Do ministry. This is your part that you are doing in the body of Christ. And, you know, uh, we... We're in this season that we, we don't think we're supposed to be split. And we've, for three years, praise God, um, by the grace of God, been able to take that stand and, um, and just pastor. And we're thankful that we've been able to do that because it gives us the time to, to focus on prayer for our church families, to minister to individuals as needed when things come up. Uh, for it gives Jim the opportunity to focus on leadership and direction um, on how to affect this area for, the, for Christ, for God. And so those are some things that, that he's been doing. And so when, when he worked full-time, he did it wholeheartedly. It, it, it was good. It was, it was a season, and it was necessary for us to do, and, um, and he did it for years and for, without complaint. Let's look um, at 1 Corinthians 9. I don't think I'll go all the way through all the scriptures, but let's go through some of these. Uh, am I not an apostle, uh, apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? If I am not an apostle, apostle to others, yet doubtless I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. My defense to those who examine me is this. Do we have no right to eat and drink? Do we have no right to take on a believing wife, as do the other apostles, the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working? Whoever goes to war at his own expense, who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its fruit, or who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk of the flock? Do I say these things as a mere man, or does the law say the same also? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. Is it oxen God is concerned about? Or does he say it all together for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he who plows should plow in hope, and he who threshes in hope should be a partaker of his hope. If we have sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? If others are partakers of this right over you, are we not even more? I say this... In humbleness, um, just to share with you certain things, um, it is important. You know, we 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 have projects, we have different things that we do, but if if we accomplish projects at the expense of the general <laughs> funding of things, you're putting the cart before the horse. And so it is important that uh, the church um, has a full-time pastor. We're in that season right now. And so sometimes it's easy. The reason I'm sharing these different things with you is because I wouldn't expect for people to understand or to know things if you haven't been a pastor, if you haven't had that responsibility. Why would you know certain things? Um, so I don't, I, I am not, 
you know, saying that people don't have understanding, but it's just different. You understand where the path that you're on, and I'm just sharing with you my heart of the path that the church is on. And so, like I said, I'm seeing all these things. I get to see the days in, the days out. I get to do the month in reports. I get to do the year in reports. I get to see what's going on. And um, so you have all sorts of different people and different paths and, and ideas that people have on giving. And there has been a lot of um, different things that have happened that maybe was abuse of finances. And of course, they are always brought to the attention of the media and it's put out there. You can't trust a pastor on anything. And so I'm just sharing you with you our heart on these things because we feel called here to do the work of the ministry here and it's so important but we are in a place where we can no longer fund the work of the ministry on our own that stopped a while ago and so now it is important for a group as a whole we're we're a collective body every part is important jen's been talking about the role of the pastor which he is you know, stepping in, he's stepped into that 15 years ago, and now here we are today. This is what he feels very strongly that he's supposed to be doing. And so, as a church, God brings other people and he knits our hearts together and he puts us together to accomplish something in this area. And there's a reason why we moved from the Midwest out here, because there's a need. There's, man, the more Christians we can get, <laughs> whether it's from the Midwest or just here, we want to collect as many as possible because it, it, it allows God to move in this area. We're seeing stuff that is happening, and we're like, this shouldn't happen. This goes against the Bible, but there's not enough Christians, you know, in this area to stop it. There's a force that's happening out here, and we are to uh, be able to start pushing back and, and giving resistance to that, and that is what the local church does. And so here we are, a body of believers coming together. But if it's all up to the pastor, it's not going to happen. Because there's only so much that the pastor can do. Two people, and I have to tell you, our four kids do so much too. So six people <laughs> cannot do everything. It, it becomes something where we've got to have help. And yes, we have to have help with volunteers. You know, it, it, that is so important because if there's not somebody to, to usher, if there's not somebody to work with the children, if there's not things that are available, the church is stagnated. It's, it's caused to not be able to move forward the way that God intended. If the church doesn't have the general needs being met of the church, it gets stunted. You can't, there's, there's a vision, there's stuff in our hearts that we want to do. We want to get past just believing God for our daily needs. <laughs> we want to get, you know, people, it's real easy to point the fingers. Well, you just don't have faith enough for it. Well, why is it just the pastor's faith? Why can't we all have faith for this? You know, let's work together. Yes, we are believing and we're this far because of what we've been believing and standing on and speaking and showing up every single day that the doors are open and then behind the scenes, all the stuff that's involved with that. But there comes a point, a point where you've got to have a movement going with you. <laughs> and that's what I'm here to say. We need that movement. We need people to understand that, look, we're not taking your money and just trying to get rich. That's not our heart. Our heart is not to take advantage of people, to, to go and, you know, neglect. You, have you neglect your 
personal needs for our gain. But at the same time, the Bible says in Hebrews 6.33 that if we seek first the kingdom of God, everything else is going to be taken care of. If, if individually, if you are just looking for opportunities to be able to put your kids in more activities and, uh, you know, maybe go and do this kind of thing on the weekend and that kind of thing. And that's where all your money is going. And you don't have, or a bigger house or, or a fancy car, and you don't have money to give to the kingdom of God. There's a priority problem. There's a priority problem. And I don't say this to scold or to, to get, you know, on anyone's case. I'm saying this because we're in this together. We can't do this alone. We have to have people that are coming alongside and saying, I, God has hooked me up here, just like he hooked up our heart with Rama, and we're running with them, and we're doing stuff with them. He has brought you into this area, into this church for a reason. There's a purpose, and we are strong when we do it together. We are so much stronger than when we just look at the pastor on a Sunday morning and say, well, what do you have? Should I, should I come to this church? Oh, I don't know. I, you know, he wears a suit and he should be wearing jeans. You know, those are the kind of things that people look at. You're like, really? Well, they actually have the lights on during the service instead of it being total darkness. You know, what are we, what are we doing? What are we doing? We, we want to be serious about what God is doing. And I, I don't mind people. I, I praise God for people that want to wear jeans. That's great. But there's different emphasis. There's different things in the body of Christ. And so please hear my heart. Please hear my heart. We're serious about what we're doing. We want to run. We want to keep, we do have vision for lots of things. <laughs> we, we have great vision. <laughs> we hold back our vision and sharing certain things because right now we have to get over this hump. It's been three years and praise God, he has supernaturally sustained and helped. And there have been sacrifices that have been made when there wasn't the stuff to be able to sustain. There's been sac- We are not in this to get rich. But I'm sharing with you my heart because I want you to know there is something that is happening in this area. And our part is vital. And our part is important. Just as important as the other Christian churches in the area, what they're doing. We bring... All these churches together bring a balance to the body of Christ. But our part is important. And so we are running our race to the best of our ability. And the, the budget doesn't get less in the summer when everybody's on vacation. It doesn't change. We, we have, if anything, you got the air conditioning. So it goes up. <laughs> the electric bill goes up. But sometimes people, they don't realize, oh, if, I, if I'm not there and I don't give, that, you know, that's fine. It'll be made up some other way. So I'm just sharing with you these, these different things with you that just to think about. Just, it, it isn't supposed to be where one person is carrying the load. So we're not asking, we're not saying to anyone that, look, you need to carry this load by yourself. We are a body of Christ. It's all of us doing things together. There would never be uh, a problem with missionaries having finances if people were giving to the local church because the local church, in turn, helps those missionaries. It helps, uh, you know, things to happen all over the world. And so... That's my heart. We love you guys. And like I said, this is not meant to, you know, get on anyone's cases, but instead to just share our heart. We want to run, but we need 
We need people to run with us. We need people to understand that there are, you know, there's electricity, there's software prices, there's <laughs> stuff that we do when we have our youth events and when we have children's and when we have Easter and when we have Mother's Day and all these different things. They all have different types of things. And then if you want a, a pastor that is that is running full time for you, there's a cost that comes with that. And so, um, yeah, so that's that's my heart. So I, it's not an easy. I was like, God, just don't let me step in it. And, and if I did, come see me and let me explain my heart further because that was never the intention at all. Uh, you want to come on up? I think so. No, I think it. Well, praise God. Um, you know, Shelley was like, I, I think I got something for the offering, you know, tomorrow. And I said, well. Uh, and then I came back to her later. I said, and she was, you know, the. She doesn't come to me ever like that, like for the offering. She said, I, I think I have something for the offering. And I, and I said, okay, well. And then I came back to her. I said, so you just for the offering or you got something more? And she goes, I, I think I may have something more. And so we sat on it and I said, yeah, I think, I think you have it. Um, and so we just wanted to have her share what was on her heart. He didn't know about it. <laughs> I didn't know everything. No, I didn't know, you know everything. But I was like, no, I think you... You, um, you got it, so you go. And um, praise God. What she is, I guess I don't want anybody to get the wrong impression. We're, we're in this no matter what. Yes. Like Pastor Hagen said when they started Rama, he said, I don't care if I have to hawk everything I have, Rama's going to go. And we're in the same place. And behind the scenes, that's what happens if we need to, and it has. At and, times, yeah. and we'll tell you right now, uh, there's stuff that's big on our hearts and stuff that you guys will know about. So this is not like, oh, please save us. That's not what she's saying at all. Right. This is saying there's a bunch of more stuff that's coming. And as we do that, you know, don't like she's talking about projects. Don't say, oh, bright and shiny. Let's go. I'm going to support this and then just let the other stuff uh, dive. You can't do that. You know, we could preach on tithes and offerings. I have preached just a little while ago. There's a whole series. Go and look. We talked about all these things. It's not like this is just breaching any topics. No, we have a lot. There, we're called here. Yes. In New England. The Lord Jesus Christ sent us here. And, um, and we're as big as we've ever been. There's well over 100 people that call this place home. You look around and say, well, they're not here. Uh, right vacation. now, you know, today there's vacations and different things. And just the dynamics of after COVID, you know, some people, they'll show up. You, you have like a different congregation on two different Sundays. I mean, seriously, it's like, you know, the, the people coming every week, sometimes that is not there. Sometimes there's a bunch of people here on one Sunday and another Sunday. But if you looked at everybody online and the people that come... And this is a really, you know, interesting Sunday for you to be preaching on. Because <laughs> this is probably the lowest Sunday we've had. I don't know how long. But don't look at that. We never have. Yeah. But no, you, you, when we're, we're talking about things coming forward, what I was, I was going to say, you know, I'm not preaching on tithing this morning. But when you, when you bring, offerings are supposed to be above the tithe. So like when we have projects, you're saying I'm supporting and then the, the local church and then you're able, we're able to support ministries, missionaries, etc. Everything being met. And then on top of that, when we have projects, we're given above and beyond. Yeah. And so you don't like interchange them going, oh, well, yeah, okay, I'll take what I was given normally to support the church and go, okay, now, hey, we'll, we'll get that thing. And it's, well, that's, it's a net even. But then... 
you know, if, if somebody designates something for the ministry, you got to put it over there. So if somebody says this is going to X, it's got to go over there. You, you, don't, you can't just say, well, it's just general anymore. So that's the type of stuff I think, you know, she was emphasizing there. But no, as far as our vision is bigger than ever, and you guys are going to hear about some, some more stuff. And we're going to go, and you may look and go, what? And, but we're going forward with what God has said. And it's happened over and over and over where we were like, we stepped out and we're not getting into some of that. I don't want to, you know, but I do believe there's a segue <laughs> happening Yeah. where it, there's times that we were like, okay, we don't see it, but we're stepping out. And God has been faithful every time. When we stepped out three years ago, I mean, it looked like you're crazy. I mean, I work as a software engineering manager for years. I mean, and we stepped out. And we are like, no, it's time. How can that happen? And I mean, today, I could go get a job. I get offers all the time. They, they, people send me stuff all the time. But that's not what we're called to do. There was a season. Yeah. And we were called and we were being trained yeah. by a multi-billion dollar company. We were supposed to be there. And I was learning stuff. And it came to the point where it was like, no. That's, at that point, that season was ending. Do you ever, you know, you have that picture of you're jumping out of an airplane or you're just like falling. <laughs> Get kicked out of the airplane. <laughs> That's what it kind of That's almost it, felt like, like. Uh, like three years ago. But when you do something like that and you've had a word from God, you know that he is going to walk you through that. And there have been miraculous things that have happened over the last three years that have allowed us to be able to keep standing and keep going forward. And, yep. and he is so faithful. And, I, you know, that's very, very important. So when we were there, there was so many times we want, I wanted to leave that job. I mean, I wanted to leave that. And there was just so many, there was so much pressure to, to leave. And I was, and, but it wasn't God. And we stayed. And then that broke. It was like, yeah. now's the time. And I was like, what? <laughs> Have you looked at the church? Yeah. Now, how, how? We just started taking a step. And then we took another step. And then we took another step. And stuff that we didn't know about, provision, financial provision. When, Brett, when Pastor Hagen laid his hands on us to send us out here, we have the video of it. One of the things he says, or one of the things he said, he doesn't just say the same thing. Or he laid his hand, he doesn't say, sometimes he just lays his hands on it. He, and he tells, when he ordains people, he goes down the row. And sometimes he says something and sometimes he doesn't. He goes, guys, I can't just make it up. Whatever, if the Holy Spirit is saying something, then I'm going to say it. If he doesn't, then I'm just going to go on. Well, he laid his hands on us. And one of the things he said was financial miracles. And I tell you, when we stepped out three years, three and a half years ago, we did not see how in the world we could be sustained. And we just took it one step at a time and provision that we had no knowledge of just came right under our feet and came right under. And it's happened like that over and over. And it will continue. Yeah. Don't ever look at it. There's people, you know, that aren't even in the congregation that support this ministry because we're serving God. We don't serve people. And we know more than ever. We're called here and we're going up. We're gaining momentum. If you haven't seen, there is so much momentum. You look around and go, today, I mean, this is ironic yeah. but <laughs> praise god i've seen that over and over you're getting ready to do something and it's like really this is what we got today and it's happened i mean the time when we were stepping out from the job it was the most challenging financially it started going down before that it's like really we're we're ready to step out and the finances were going down so you know whatever satan cannot stop what god is doing we serve almighty god and guys i just want to tell you there's stuff going on and we are going to be sharing certain things and we're going and i don't care if it costs me everything i have we're going and the plan of god and we are going to go for it now, you don't just make stuff up and do you know give it unnecessarily but i'm saying everything has been on the line we put everything on the line when we stepped out to three years here. ago. Well, everything. Even to, even to come out here. When we, yeah, when we came out here, we were like, move your family halfway across the United States. 
I, we prayed on that. Let me tell you. We said, we said, if it's God, it'll be God tomorrow. We did not just flippantly go, oh, Andover, let's go there. It was in the A's, first one that caught our attention. That's not what happened. We're not going to reiterate that story right now, but it was God. We sat on it, and we came out, and everything that we had was on the line. And I'm telling you, we stepped out. I said I would rather obey the voice of God and fall flat on my face than hold back and keep going to a job when I know. See, there came a point where I knew we were supposed to move on. It was very strong. It was strong. But the rest of the time, I would have been out of the will of God to try to go, oh, well, I'm not supposed to be working. No, I knew. And I was being trained, and God was depositing things even now that is coming into play. And it, I'm just barely tapping that because God was training us. It's a season. It's like when you're in college. People are well, you got to get a job now. No, you're in college. Get the degree. Well, we were, that was part of our training, but it came to where it was past that. And now it was like, no, we're called. We can't do it. And I'm going to tell you, there's no grace to do it anymore. There's certain things I used to be able to do. I mean, I worked a full-time job that takes people's, all their energy. I managed a team of software engineer, multi-million dollar budget, all very high salaries. And then I would come and we would pastor the church. People would talk to us and say, you are walking in grace. And I, we didn't even we didn't even see it. We they, we'd be like, there are people that aren't doing half what you're doing, and we, it was the grace of God. We didn't even see it because it just flowed. But that ended. And there are certain things when I go to do, it's like grinding gears. You don't even know what I'm talking about. You know, you're, how many of you know how to drive a stick ship? Three of you. No. <laughs> if you if you don't put the clutch right, you're going in between gears. It grinds. I'm telling you, there's certain things I used to do with no problem. That that just that's not there. If I tried, I mean, yeah, I could go get a job. I don't know. If it's not the grace of God, you're going to fall flat on your face. So we're just telling you, and we'll share more, you know, in certain things. I'm just piggybacking on what I didn't know what all she was going to say, but we're here. As we're going forward, we're just telling you. I don't care what things look like. We're going forward with the plan of God. And God, if, if God has hooked you up uh, with this ministry and what in this church and what... Um, he's doing in this area, then we're all in the boat together and we're going to go and we're going to keep going on what God has called all of us to do for his glory. This is going to be awesome. We're just going to keep going forward and we're going to, we're going to all just, um, grow up into all kinds of things with him.